Hello, Church of the Geek listeners. This is the new live play story arc of Dungeons & Dragons that we have been working on. This is our first episode. Uh, I don't want to get into a ton because there's a little bit of intro uh, after the theme, but I wanted to let you know that we're still learning uh, how this all works. This episode took a lot longer than we had thought. So it will uh, it, it's, it's being split into two parts. This one is going up now, and the next one will be in about two weeks. Thanks, and enjoy. Bye. Church of the Geek listeners, welcome to our new adventure, our live play uh, of a Dungeons and Dragons story arc, aptly named Holy Crit. Uh, today, uh, and for the next, I don't know, six to eight episodes that uh, will run parallel with uh, regular episodes of Church of the Geek, uh, Sam and I are joined by several other folk uh, as we enter into this uh, adventure. Sam, how you doing? I am doing well. I think this is something I've been looking for for a long time. And Brian, I know you were talking beforehand about how much you sweated over this little baby of yours and good. To yeah. See it. Well, I'm glad it's finally off the ground. We have been, um, we have just, it's been, uh, in sort of, uh, production for so long, all the conception, all of the stuff. And when we went to go record for our first time last week, all, some of us lost power before we could even get there. So, Thank you, storm, uh, winter storms, ice and snow. But that did not stop us. So, um, <clears throat> are you are you are you excited to get going and play? Very much so. And Very good. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think um, good chance for everyone else to introduce ourselves because yeah. we have a very interesting and uh, intriguing crew with us. They can all introduce themselves. Yeah, uh, let's start with uh, um, Melissa. Let's start with you. Hi, I'm Melissa May. I'm a deacon in the ELCA, and I have just been called to serve in the Alaska Synod, so uh, about to be serving as pastor at Our Saviors in Nome. Nome. Perfect place for a D&D. Exactly. So cool. Delightful pun. <laughs> Road trip. Nice. Road trip. <laughs> yeah well i mean that will that sounds like a certainly uh a, a retreat uh for D D. we're gonna go to gnome Absolutely. so you're gonna have we'll have a, we'll have a, a live recording so hey will how about you Let, go ahead did you say will did you say me yeah i'm on yes, okay. I did. Hey. um i am will rose i am parish pastor at holy trinity lutheran church and lutheran campus ministry in chapel hill North Carolina, and a longtime listener of Church of the Geek, and happy to be a part of this Dungeons and Dragons uh, ordeal. I am a rookie. I'll confess I'm a rookie, but I've been preparing by watching lots of Dungeons and Dragons uh, cartoons from the 80s. So I think I'm yeah, oh, I'm, good. I'm completely <laughs> yes. ready. I've been watching all the That'll help a lot. Yeah, yeah. So I figure that's that's all I need, and I'm good to go. I'm good to roll. Yeah. Now. Absolutely. 
Right. Uh, yeah, you are more than just the Church of the Geek listener. You are a true friend of the podcast, so we are That's super great. excited to have you with us. Yeah, this uh, is fun. Beth. Hi, uh, I'm Beth Wartick. I'm a pastor at Trinity Lutheran Church in Tipton, Iowa. Uh, and I'm excited about this because I started playing D&D when I was 12, and I found my dad's old Advanced Dungeons and Dragons book. Yes, that's the stuff. Uh, oh my gosh, that's so great. Yeah, and a few things have changed in the last 15 years. Um, <laughs> yeah, that is true. We bought them in high school. Uh, but I'm really excited to be able to play together now. Yeah, uh, that's great. Yeah, I, I still have all of my Advanced uh, D&D books. And uh, yeah, it's... It's gotten, yes, it's very different. Uh, Gygax, Gary Gygax certainly had a different conception for what was going to happen. And, and now I think it's better, but sometimes I miss some of the old stuff. But yeah, well, we're glad you're here. Thanks, Beth. Um, we're going we're gonna to get to characters and everything when we, when we enter into the story. But And one last person, uh, Ryan. Yeah, I was wondering if you forgot about me. No, well, I wouldn't I'm forget about you. <laughs> Thanks. I'm Pastor Ryan Cobert. I serve in St. Paul's Lutheran Church in Swickley, Pennsylvania. And uh, Brian roped me into another campaign that he, Sam, and I are part of. So uh, we've been playing together for more than a year, but I've been playing off and on since high school. But I'm excited. Yeah. <clears throat> we. Uh... We've, uh, Sam, uh, uh, Ryan and I have even uh, done our part to take uh, Dungeons and Dragons to Synod Assembly, um, <laughs> and brought people in. Who, yeah, they uh, people are like, "What? I gonna do what?" And it's great. It's great. They're upset that you're not going to be there this year. I'm upset that I'm not going to be there this year. So, yeah, when anyway. I share people around our Synod what what uh, we're doing, people are excited. This could, this could be a growing thing. This is something that. Uh, could expand and i think uh uh, this is going to take off and lots there's there's lots of pastors and ministers and uh religious folk out there that are interested and going to listen into what we're what we're up to and uh want to model it or be a part of it in the future so yeah straight so let's uh, folks as you listen uh, you know i think you might some of you might ask why i sometimes i've wondered why am i doing this what sets us apart but what why why does church of the geek want to explore dungeons and dragons and and that i think is a good question um there are a couple of reasons uh one as you heard all of us uh on this are religious professionals right pastor chaplain type people um um oh because and just i didn't say i'm brian bennett i am a campus pastor in pittsburgh uh pa right so we have uh, deacon, soon to be pastor, and pastor chaplain, pastor, pastor, pastor. Um, so, and uh, there are certainly, and if we talk about advanced Dungeons and Dragons, um, Beth uh, with her books, right? That was the time when there was the whole satanic panic, right? Um, lots of folks who didn't um, uh, feel that Dungeons and Dragons was uh, good and wholesome fun, but in fact, leading you down the path to perdition. Um, and uh, I know Sam has talked about that on uh, episodes of uh, the first episode he was on. We were just talking and getting to know Sam uh, as our co-host for the, the regular episodes of Church of the Geek. But um, that's where you were at, Sam, right? Yeah, growing up. Yeah. Well, and so I don't think that's around a whole lot anymore. And But part of it is we want to lift up that a counter narrative for folks who still hear that. 
uh, here are six pastors engaging in this really awesome pastime. Two, right? Our my personal conviction uh, is that we are all people who are wrapped up in narratives, um, multiple stories we've in, with, and under our lives. And uh, given the narrative aspect of Dungeons and Dragons. I, I wanted a laboratory where we could ponder what does it mean to be wrapped up in a narrative, to be shaped by it, to belong to it. Uh, our lives are uh, our lives of faith are deeply wrapped up in God's narrative, and I wanted us to step into this fantasy setting to use in exploring these themes. Um, so it's our intention to record this arc, and then when we're done, kind of when it kind of comes to a natural end, uh, record a reflective episode where we ponder what just happened here. Um, did we learn something? Uh, what might this activity have to teach us about living our lives of faith? Um, so three. Yeah, that's a uh, fantastic, yeah. Brian. I just chime in like in terms no, of fine. Re- yeah. reflecting on like creating the image of God and what does that look like? I don't think God has two ears, two eyes, a nose and a mouth like me, but, but in terms of being created in the image of God, is this uh, being a part of a creative process and, uh, being able to immerse into a story that I love. And so uh, that's what I'm excited about. And that's, um, you're, you're exactly right. Like how do we enter into the story and shape story? We're all storytellers and, and our story geeks. And so to be a part of that is, is something special. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so three and finally, D and D is just fun. Um, the story that we enter into, if we talk about narratives and being wrapped up in them, this is a story that is a collaborative endeavor between myself as the dungeon master and the players. Um, I don't know how this is all going to play out. I don't have a script in my head. I have an idea of where we're going, but we're going to trust that this is going to be something awesome and fun uh, as we go into this. So, that being said, are we all ready? Yeah. All right. Excellent. Let's let's uh, let's jump in. We have before us a town. The air is crisp. The atmosphere is festive. The town of Ashlingbaum is undergoing their harvest festival. It's almost two weeks long, uh, but this festival draws people from all over the region. Farmers and residents of Ashlingbaum, for sure, are there, um, but also musicians, tinkers, artisans, and more uh, show up to sing their songs and ply their wares. Booths featuring vegetables and meats are always present, uh, as are food booths with meals and drink made from the stuff that comes from the fields surrounding Ashlingbaum. And the days are usually sunny and warm with crisp, clear evenings. When the sun goes down, the festival concentrates on the stages scattered around where the musicians become the focus. For those unfortunate enough to be on the far fringe of those crowds, they can usually find talented local acts within the confines of the local taverns. As one evening draws near in the early days of the festival, the fading light in the western sky shows the crowds lining up for the food booths. It's a good night. Cider and ale flow freely, 
everyone is in a jovial mood despite waiting for their food. A dragonborn bard is already singing up on the stage in the town square, warming up the crowd for the bigger acts yet to come this evening. People are sitting on long shared tables, eating food, quaffing drinks, talking with others, and just enjoying the end of another day. And now I will drop you all into move us into the larger screen. Did everybody's screen just change? So you see before you a pretty large town square. Um, Ashlingbaum is is not a city. It is a town, but they do have um, a rather sizable um, town square. Uh, And here it is set up for the festival. In the northeast corner is a large beer tent uh, under which people are uh, grabbing some uh, some drink um, to the south along the southern edge and 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 a, and a, and a little bit there are some booths that are there for for food um, and in that sort of area that those um, that those food booths um, I'll ping a couple so that you understand, make sure you know what I mean, right? Those booths down there and along the southern edge um, are where folks are uh, inside are making food, turkey legs, um, stews, um, breads and meats um, are being bought and sold uh, in those those places. Um, There are um, around there, um, you can see as if someone had, after falling a very large tree, just sawed it right down uh, into these slabs. And so there are several large uh, elevated tables that people are stand, can just stand by and rest their food and their drink on it. Um, in the meantime, a large brazier sits um, in the midst where folks can uh, go to warm up the chill, uh, warm up from the chill of the uh, uh, crisp autumn air. Um, Beside the beer tent in the northwestern side is a large stage um, where the musical acts will come and perform. Um, There's a small uh, covered portion, but uh, ramps go up to a landing and then up onto the top, and a large uh, open stage is there, um, as I said, where a a particular dragonborn bard is... uh, is singing. And in front of that, uh, in front of that stage, there are long tables where people can sit sharing, uh, meals with their neighbors and, and people they know or may not know. And so it is into that, um, uh, into that atmosphere that we find, our folks. And so, Will. Yes. As a dragonborn bard, you want to talk a little bit about yeah. what you are doing right now? Yeah, so I, uh, uh, Kerson, 
my dragonborn bard has um, had some liquid courage in him, and he's now on stage. Uh, been at the festival for a few days, and with my drum and pan flute, he's doing a kind of a spoken word jazzy uh, poem on stage and and this poem is called harvest moon and so the poem spoken word jazz song goes something like this oh harvest moon looming over our ripe souls stir our hearts pull the tides of our purposes together your gravity is strong it's food for the hungry, hope for the weary. As cloudy as life is, as aloof as the spirits can be, may the labyrinth of creation lead us into solidarity and may our stories be made of legend. Holy crap. You take inspiration, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> there's a spot on your there's a spot in your character sheet that you get a mark right up like under your name there's a okay. little thing if you click on it you will it'll give you a little dragon swirly uh, image right now it should just be open but you take inspiration for that my friend All right beautiful will yeah. did homework <laughs> <laughs> I did give him a. I did give him a little warning that that's where he'd be. I could have done that on the spot. Improv. Uh, that's not improv. I will confess that was not an improv spoken word uh, poem for D and D. is up on stage and is looking out across. There are there are several hundred people in this town uh, in this town square right now. Um, some are listening to you intently. Um, others are talking with their friends and there's just that murmur around uh, that you have with crowds even with folks listening but you are up there uh, and um, your uh, your stuff is being well received Um, so um, for those who are listening so as you look out, you see in the crowd a large, hulking figure with a deer slung over his shoulder, moving through the crowd toward one of the food booths. Ryan. You. What are you so, doing? Uh... So what you're looking at is a, a strangely dressed uh, beast of a humanoid who stands a good foot and a half over just about everybody else in the crowd. He's a Goliath covered in furs and leather armor, bow slung over his back over one shoulder with the carcass of a deer slung over the back. He's got, uh, still has a, blood spatter all over his hands and his arms. And underneath of that, you see from his, every visible part of his body is covered in tribal tattoos, his entire face, uh, his bald head, his hands, his feet, as he 
Walt walks through this crowd, not really paying any attention to you whatsoever, uh, focused intently on looking for one of the food booths that looks like it's running low on food. And he boldly walks straight towards it and uh, nod, notices and catches the attention of the merchant. Just silently standing there, looking at him, waiting. What it says? Uh, what do you want? You need meat. Yes, uh, I, I do. I do. Uh, uh, are you looking to sell that uh, beast on your back? Looking for new skinning blade. I, I don't I don't know that I have uh, a new uh, blade, but for that uh, for that animal, I'd, I'd give you 15 gold, which I'm sure you would get a, a, a decent skinning blade uh, for that. You don't have a blade. Yeah, well, but yes, but, but we're using it right now as, as we prepare our food. And nothing that would really be quite good for skinning. Looking, I'm looking for a skinning blade, and I I move to start to move towards the next booth. Okay, uh, you can repeat that. Um, uh, let's see, a couple times. Um, yeah, um, on the third booth that you stop at, um, <clears throat> there is someone who. Um, they have uh, they are more in sort of the in the large meat categories they've got large haunches of of uh, of uh, meat there they have a couple knives they they have a large skinning knife that they can um, that they 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 can part with I before I, I make the transaction I, I test out the skinning knife on part of the car of the deer and do I find it as a as a sharp blade as a as a good blade? I'm get, I'm asking. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a really solid butcher's uh, type uh, blade that is gonna uh, good for uh, skinning, deboning. Yeah. We have a deal, and I slam the the carcass on the countertop and sheath the knife in my belt. And they uh, they haul the uh, the carcass back uh into the uh into that and they start uh dressing it and uh uh cutting it down knowing that it'll probably last them through through the next day or two so Kanamak you look uh to your uh you look around and while um you see a lot of uh, varied humanoids uh, around you. You also see another um, sizable figure uh, moving through the crowd. A uh, uh, you, you see it, you catch the uh, half orc moving through um, 
Yes, this is uh, Dura Sheeler. She is a half-orc who uh, it is rather an imposing figure, green-skinned, fur and leather clad. She has the bearing of a soldier because that is the descriptor of her her prime mission in life. She was once a member of a royal guard that protected a prince, and however, that prince was assassinated. She resigned to seek this assassin, kill him. She's here at this festival because she's heard she may find a clue as to the assassin's whereabouts, but at the moment she's begun to roll her eyes at the performance of the bard. This will do her no help in her quest, and she takes a swig of her ale and seeks to find things that are more to her purpose. So, uh, Dura, you look around and you see many, uh, many uh, familiar humanoids, but one catches your eye that this one uh, is unique. Um, it looks like a bird creature uh, walking around. Sam? Yes, and this, uh, this, this bird creature is very dark, uh, very dark uh, feathers that almost shine purple in the, in the light when the light catches them the right way. That kind of uh, uh, iridescence that you find on some birds. It looks like a very large uh, raven walking on, walking on its, uh, walking on its feet, but with no wings. Um, it's, it's garbed in a, in a dark robe. Um, that's a bit tattered and worn. It looks like it's never been washed or repaired ever. Um, and is carrying a, a large staff with a crystal orb on the top of it. And you, you can't see this, this creature's eyes. It's kind of keeping to itself, weaving through the crowd. And you notice as it's weaving through the crowd, just kind of working its way through that the people around kind of fall silent and, uh, avert their eyes or they kind of cast a suspicious glance and um, he, this this creature kind of just moves through and is uh, goes up to one of the uh, one of the, the booths and says in a very odd voice for coming out of a bird and says Oi! I'd like a drink please! And a person at the other, one of the other booths yells at him and says, Oi, I told you to quit using my voice, didn't I? And this bird creature kind of, again, looks a little bit forlorn and not quite sure what to do. So it backs away from the, from the booth and the, the people kind of, again, go silent around it. And it just kind of goes back to keeping to itself. But it's it's watching the group intently. It's looking at, especially at at, at Karrison, and you can you can you can hear him kind of speak softly to himself in the same exact voice as Karrison, repeating the the song that he just heard, uh, singing to himself. And then finally, uh, as you are looking around, Crick Crick, you you see. Amongst the others, you see a um, an elven character uh, 
in the crowd. Fairly, uh, uh, fairly young for an elf, but um, you you catch her uh, her place in the. Uh, or you catch her, her her figure moving through the crowd, and uh, Beth, tell us about your character. Ariel is uh, feeling sort of strangely homesick and annoyed at this experience she's having right now. Um, the elves that she comes from are fond of um, music and dancing and festivals, and it's her first time away from home. And so she's noticing that she's missing that. But unlike many of her uh, friends and neighbors, she's a bit more rigid than your typical elf. She's very prone to um, wanting things in order. And so the chaos of the festival is a bit Uh, overwhelming and annoying to her as she is out um, sent by her alchemists guild in search of uh, learning more about alchemy, finding new recipes. um, And she suspects to get that her out from bothering them with her rigid attention to rules. Um, So she's kind of just watching, um, not quite participating, but not quite uh, frustrated or annoyed enough to want to leave. Um, so she's she's enjoying the performance, but but not getting too close. Well, you have um, some uh, some time here in the um, in the evening. Is 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 there anything anyone else wants to do? Uh, yeah, I just walk over, looking around, seeing the half orc. I walk over and see that she is disinterested in say in orcish. Uh, asking what is this noise motioning to the the stage anyone else who knows orcish and is within earshot can hear understand that Jura replies I know not but I pray that it would cease Kanamak just gives a nod in agreeance Karrison uh, wraps up his, his set and the crowd uh, erupts in a loud <laughs> standing ovation, except for about three people in the crowd uh, that that doesn't cheer. To be fair, if I sit, it'll look like I'm standing anyway. So I uh, really knows that the one the the Goliath is is standing extra tall for the song and feels pretty proud of that what he created. And so uh, uh, he walks off stage. Uh, to get a drink, his nerves settled down. That his set is finally over, and he wants to settle in and get some food, perhaps some mm. some fresh cut deer uh, to eat. Crick well, Crick is going to uh, after you know seeing the the show. He kind of again weaves his way through the crowd and uh, finds his way up to Carison and kind of not shyly, but just kind of not wanting to again you know make a make a. a draw too much attention to himself kind of touches him on the shoulder and, is, and says Pearson uh, notices the uh, Crick's uh, shyness and, and has a heart for for those who, who feel uh, shy or marginalized and uh, has a heart for, for those kind of pushed to the edges or, or rejected or pushed away from, uh, from bar scenes and so um, he, he puts his arm around Crick Crick and, and says, let's, let's go get a drink. Uh, you, 
uh, let's hang out a little bit. Let's 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 discover each other's story and and grab a drink. Crick kicks us. You, crick, 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 crick. Okay, you, you sing, sing, sing. Good, 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 sing, sing, sing. Yes, crick, crick, sing, sing. And crick, crick goes into a complete instrumental version of Roundabout by Yes. <laughs> Doing every single part perfectly as, as as if you're listening to it off a CD. Because basically you are. <laughs> Karrison is super impressed uh, just because the percussion in Yes is, is fabulous. So he... he uh, he, he admires that and uh, uh, is, is really entertained and has a big smile on, on his face and says he can he can be his jukebox anytime. <laughs> uh, Ariel um, would notice those two getting together and think that perhaps the dragonborn and the bird creature might have access to some kind of magical information or at least you know, aren't from this village. And so would kind of follow along while, while they go, not exactly stalking them, but just sort of curiously wondering where they're going. It appears they're going towards the, if I understand, they're, they're mm-hmm. heading towards the beer tent. Absolutely. Um, when they, when they, uh, when they grab a, uh, uh, an ale and, uh, go to go to talk do um do you approach them okay uh so i would i would go after them and get a mead um and then i would uh approach and and say what brings you to this uh provincial town um i i share i'm i'm not sure how much uh crick crick can communicate without uh mimicking uh our voices but so so i chime in and and say that I'm I'm here at this festival. I uh, I have uh, I'm loyal to my tribe, and 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 they've gone over hard times. So I'm trying to find new ways to to help provide for them uh, food and drink and resources to help uh, them get over the hump of what was a lean year for our for our tribe and our village. And so I'm I'm earning a little bit of money on on stage. Also trying to get my name out there. Uh, into the community and and also finding uh, uh, gathering resources and and companions to pull together uh, so that my village doesn't have another another lean year like it did last year. What uh what caused your village's insecurity with its food? You know we are um, a village in in the shadow of of. Uh, of a larger village, uh, not too far from us that, that tend to be a little more, um, uh, what was the word I would, I would use is a little more arrogant in, um, in terms of, of what they do and, and how they use their resources and, and they not pillage our, our village, but, but they, they come in and, and push their weight around, to, to use and, and frankly the 
our particular crops, our particular land isn't as fertile. And so I don't know if the spirits are, are on our side. I don't know if, if we, we have favor. So um, we're just doing the best that we can right now. Are, are there no authorities you can appeal to to deal with aggression by your neighbors? We're a smaller village. We're we're tribal based and family based, and uh, we we have some local leaders, but no one feels like they have the uh, the strength or or the weapons or the power to to stand up to this this neighboring village. Um, I feel like I do, but I don't want to cause trouble, and, and I've been called a rebel before that I I tend to use uh, push my weight around, and and so I'm trying to lay low and try to find a different means to to help the village this go around. Hmm. Seems like a very inefficient system of government. Uh, yeah, you're telling me. Hmm. Well. I would like you all make a perception check, please. Alright, so I rolled and got a 23. Mm-hmm. I rolled an 18. Mm-hmm. It has a 19. So, uh, Kanamak rolled a 23. Sam had a nat 1 um, uh, he is he is uh, wrapped up in that conversation with uh, with Karrison and um, Ariel. Ariel had a eighteen. Uh, Will uh, you rolled a five, and uh, Dura had a nineteen. So Ariel, Dura, and um, Kanamak, you uh, notice that while there is typically security the local law enforcement and maybe a few other folks who, you know, a couple locals that supplemented. It's not just light right now. It is non-existent. You start to realize this when all of a sudden you hear the twang of bows and uh, you hear a absolute frightening laugh come uh, from all around you and just to be clear the sound you made was the laugh and not a horse that was yes (laughs) yes my voices are are many and varied Uh, and sometimes they don't sound at all what they sound like in my head so Arrows come flying out of the corner from all around you. Um, You hear the laughter and the twang of of bows hitting people in the crowd around you, and the you can tell the crowd begins to panic. Some scatter, a few get away, but you end up with three sort of large groupings of the crowd um, as they panic and clump together. Mm. Um, and <clears throat> I am going to say, um, I will say, Crick-Crick and Kerrison, you are completely, and because of your poor perception rules, you are completely surprised by this uh, attack. Uh, and so I am going to say for the first uh, round, you are going to end up sitting out. Now, everybody, um, 
Roll initiative. What kind of creatures are these that we're seeing? So you see these um, dog creatures. Oh, so they're beasts. Um, they they look almost hyena like. Ah, they're laughing. Thought I heard some laughter. All right. So you see the grouping of the uh, of the uh, of the crowd um, indicated by the the, the black uh, groups of uh, silhouetted people. Um, you are in the positions where you are now. You see um, these uh, hyena-like um, creatures. Uh, Kanamak, I would imagine. Uh, you probably recognize them uh, as uh, gnolls. But, uh, Crick Crick, you're... Um, actually, I, you know what? I'm going to give this to you since you had a nat 20. Uh, on your initiative... <coughs> go ahead. It's it, it's up to you. Your turn, Crick Crick. Dora, you're, up, you're on deck. Crick Crick? Same there. Sam? Uh-oh. Whoop, I hit my mute button by mistake. Sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like chatting away. Uh, so we'll just skip right to um, Crick Crick kind of is surprised by this, you know, sudden flurry of activity. And he, he sees the this group of creatures off, you know, coming out uh, from the east. And he... Uh, whips around his his staff and uh, casts uh, poison spray. The sh- sends out this spray of, of poison out of his out of his hand. And that's a constitution save. They need to roll an eleven. I'm just uh, so the range on poison spray is ten feet. Oh and they're further away. Darn right. Okay. So we can do Eldritch Blast because yeah. I have. Say it, say it Warlock. Like a... Say it. Eldritch Blast. And he, in this otherworldly voice that is not, again, not his own, um, in this blast of light comes. Actually, for, let's do this right. I'm going to move just a little bit out. So I'm right out in front of him and then cast Eldritch Blast. Mm-hmm. Which one are you targeting there? Um, Green or uh, green the orange. Yeah, green the green orange one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, just click on the word Eld- Eldritch Blast there, and that'll calculate okay. the. So <coughs> ten. Okay. Ten force damage. You watch those uh, that sort of purple black energy fly from the end of your staff, um, and it goes and it catches the uh, that knoll. Um, square in the chest <clears throat> and it, it gives a little <clears throat> yep uh, uh, as that hits it and then it snarls uh, at you uh, as uh, as you go uh, as it, and it looks at you uh, with fury in its eyes Dora I am assuming that all of the enemies perceive each of us uh, uh, hard to say. It's uh, not exactly sure, but um, 
you are a little more out in the open. You you didn't clump right. together with uh, everyone else. So, yeah, you are a little more visible. So probably. <laughs> That's true. Um, would like to uh, draw my glaive and probably uh, make a run to get within striking distance of the enemies to my west or left. That group of three. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so I've got a range of 30 feet. And I forget how to calculate what the range of the glaive is. Uh, the glaive gives you get, gives you a range of uh, uh, 10 feet, I believe. Uh, so you, your melee is is 10 feet. Mm-hmm. Um, so that would be two squares. Instead of, instead of uh, being in, the, in an adjacent square, they can be one more beyond that. Okay. Um, if I use my turn to uh, dash or run, can I get a further distance? Anything you can. Like that? You can get, yeah, as you, uh, if you dash, you can go double your distance, double your speed, right? Okay. Do they have an attack of opportunity or anything like that if I approach them? No, that attack of opportunity is only triggered when you leave. Okay. Um, when you leave melee. So if you enter into melee, they don't get their reaction. Okay. Um. I would like to move. Ooh. All right. How do I how do I move my token again? Oh, uh, you should just be able to to click on it. Okay. And uh, um, move it. Can you? Oh, now I can. Okay. I'm hoping this is a wise space to move to. <laughs> uh, okay. Looks like my glaive would be within What's range. What's a glaive? Is that like a say? weapon? It is. It yes, is. so think of a 10-foot-long pole, basically with a sword, like a, a curved cool. sword right, blade it. on the yeah. end. Nice. I, I've got it pulled up. It's a heavy two-handed weapon that does 1d10 slashing damage. Mm-hmm. Okay, I believe that would be the end of my turn. It, yes, unless you have a bonus action, which I, I don't... don't think I do. Okay, so uh, it is now, uh, you see some of these gnolls that have um, multiple swords bolting for the, um, the crowds that are there, um, except uh, right in front of you, Dora, yes. there is instead one uh, bolted uh, for the crowd, the other one comes right at you. Because okay. it is right in front of you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it gets two short sword attacks at you. Okay. So a seven. Does that hit your armor class? I don't think so. I don't believe so, but I, if you let me yeah. know how to double check, I will. Oh, if you click on the green, I, just oh. so you all know, the green circle is your um, armor class. You see that? So it has to be at least your armor class to hit. So that does not hit. Okay. Takes another swing with its short sword, twenty-one. That That's, is going to hit. You. Does it? Yes. And it does seven piercing damage. So and I, finally, okay. Am I taking that directly off of my HP? Yes. Mm-hmm. And um, and then it gets finally. It's going to take a bite at you. Ooh. A nine. That's not going to hit. So the teeth come down. Um, 
and just they can't pierce your armor. So these two um, gnolls uh, are done, and Karasin, uh, you are up. So I have a spell called Healing uh, Word. Can I can I help Dura out, seeing mm-hmm. that she was damaged, and I noticed she did not stand up and cheer for my song. <laughs> Uh, but I see that she is hurt. I will live to regret so this. <laughs> I, 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 I do want to help her despite her not standing up uh, for, or, or ignoring my song. But it, can I can I make that move to, to help her out? I believe okay. she is out of range. The range is okay. 60 feet. And right now you are 120 okay. away from her. So I'm going to follow Crick Crick then and notice those to my east. And... Um, I would like to uh, can I move like here, and then uh, I would like to take out my um, my hand crossbow and aim uh, for that um, that creature's head. And just just take it out. Which one? The one. Uh, did Kirk Kirk throw have some damage on on the one on the green on the what is that? Yes. Yeah, I'm, I, I see it down. So I want to. Yep. Yeah, the green and orange one. And take it out. All right, so on your on your mm-hmm. uh, character sheet, right under attacks and spellcasting, you'll see your crossbow. So just click the um, the crossbow. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, yeah. All right, so you rolled um, a four. You you were you were performing. Suddenly, you're in the midst of this of this attack. Your uh, your crossbow uh, shot goes uh, wide and the left sticks. The bolt sticks in the house <laughs> too much, too much uh, that's meat. next to the. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, too much, yeah, yeah. Uh, performance <laughs> nerves, mead, uh, and just all of this happening at once. Uh, too much for you. You are able still to move if you would, if you uh, want. You still have some more movement. Uh, you're also free to stay uh, where you are. Beside, I'm gonna stick beside Crick Crick. I don't want anything to happen to my boy Crick Crick. So uh, we're gonna we're gonna stick this out. Okay. Uh, very good then. Um, and. Uh, Ariel. Ariel. Yeah. So just to clarify, from where I'm standing on the west of the beer tent, mm-hmm. um, is it such that I have a clear shot at the knoll? Yes. That, you can see um, through the tent. Oh. It does not have sides. Okay. It's just a canopy. Great. Okay. That's what I was imagining, but I wanted to be sure. Uh, then I will uh, cast Magic Missile, which has a range of 100 and. 20 feet uh, at the injured knoll. Okay. And I, there's three of them, right? Okay. All right. Um, do I have to decide before I cast them if I'm casting them all at the same one? Yeah. Typically, you, yes. Typically you have to tell me which one they're going at uh, when you like, I'm going to send two at green, orange and one at, at uh, green, blue, or okay. I'm going to send all three at green, orange. Okay, I didn't do that. So do you is it okay for it's me okay. to tell you one? Okay. All right, then I'll do the first two at green orange and the second or the third one at green blue. So one, okay. Two. So the two go and uh slam into uh green orange and you can tell this this knoll is ragged but is still uh on its uh on its feet and the other one hits the green blue beside it and is really unhappy. Okay. Well, I am going to 
stay put because that keeps me farther away from the bad guys. Okay. The gnolls, uh, some of the gnolls pull out their, um, uh, or have their bows out and knock arrows. The one that is looking really ragged pulls out uh, the bow and fires at Crick Crick. Crick Crick is your, uh, he rolls at nine. And that does not hit. Into the, into the post of the beer tent beside you. The other one there fires at uh, Kerrison. 21. That, That's uh, not going to hit. Th- that is going to hit because your armor class is 12. Uh, and it does five points of damage. So there's those. Oh, and they um, are going to move up a little closer. Uh, Noel down in the southeastern corner uh, also makes a bolt for the crowd. And then there's three from the south. They come running up. You notice those ones in the south run up, grab, uh, slash a couple people, uh, bite them. Uh, I mean, bite them. And uh, also grab a couple. Same in the, in the southwest. They come uh, running up, biting and slashing. Uh, or, I mean, uh, biting them. And, and it feels like it looks like they're, they're grabbing the um, folks in the crowd. Likewise, this one to the uh, west goes for this group of folks. Would Dura, would Dura get an attack of opportunity since she has a reach weapon? Dura will get an attack of opportunity at, uh, on that knoll. So, Dura, if you want to roll your um, roll an attack with your um, glaive, go right ahead. Should I do that on the uh, menu and roll 20? Actually, if you just click on the glaive on your character sheet okay. under attacks and spellcasting, All right. that'll... Boom. Got it. Nice. Ugh. Boom. So now... Just click 22. on the word. Just click on the word "glaive" okay. uh, on that in that chat window, and it will pop up. The, the damage will pop up. Great. Yeah. So, um, it comes down, slices across the back, uh, completely, just rips open a chunk. Uh, you got a flap of uh, flesh there, but it is. Um, it continues its run, um, and it is now at the. Uh, uh, the edge of the uh, at the edge of the crowd, and it grabs somebody. All right, Kanamak. I see her tear into that knoll, and I keep my eye on it as I pull out my bow, knock an arrow, and release it towards him. Uh, actually, I'm going to hunter's mark him first. <laughs> I'm going to cast hunter's mark as I'm staring him down before releasing. The okay. Arrow. Okay. Oh, this is oh! going to hurt. Awesome. Ooh, 28. Which is a Ow. natural 20. It's a nat 20. Plus Ow. Hunter's plus Mark damage. Plus, because he's damaged, Colossus Slayer damage. <laughs> if it loads. There it is. Wow. Epic. Yeah, that's pretty sweet. <laughs> I need to lay off the mead. He's in pain. That is a, a eight damage for, from the crit, two from the Hunter's Mark, and five more from Colossus Slayer. Yeah, but that the, the um, so all dice are doubled. So you are going to do 
All dice or just the original damage? No, all dice. Even Hunter's Mark, even Colossus Slayer. Ooh, that's going to be fun. So this is going to... Oh my gosh. That is crunchy. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So that's two, six. uh, Or did that... Did that add, oh, that's a crit. Okay. So really, the way that this did this, uh, it just rolled another D8. Yeah. But, um, okay, so then five was the original damage. So I'll change the... Uh, so it should be... It should be... So that would be... Uh, 10, two, 20. 2 plus 4. No, no, not the bonus. Not So not the dex bonus. Just the dice roll is doubled. So that's 2 plus 4 is 6... Plus four is ten. Plus ten is twenty. So your your bow, you pull it back and you let it fly. Right, your bow is because you're a Goliath. This thing is almost like a ballista to anyone else. You pull back, you let it fly. This arrow goes flying and pierces the 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 knoll right in the back and the arrow sticks through uh, all the way through the front uh, and that knoll drops. First, first one kill. down. All right. Brian gets first kill. Yeah. One shot, one kill. That's my hope. <laughs> well. <laughs> I mean, Dora had a little to do with that. But, you yeah, know, that was... That, that was, was brutal, yeah. Brutal. Oh, my gosh. She didn't land the final blow, so according to Kahnemach, doesn't matter. All right. Some other uh, gnolls that are outfitted just a little bit differently are are going to advance um, about uh, advance a little bit into the uh, arena. And here, they the two up in the uh, the, the northwest – have seen your glaive, uh, Dora, and your bow, uh, Kanamak, and they are uh, those ones are going to uh, let fly with their longbow. Dora, um, an eleven does an eleven hit? No. Yeah, it sails over you, Kanamak. Fifteen. That just hits. So catches you. Uh, does eight piercing, and then over here on the uh, on the western edge, this other uh, this other knoll comes through. How do you spell knoll? G N O L L. It is going to uh, launch a. Uh, it sees you, Ariel, knowing that you uh, sent the uh, magic missiles at its, at its compatriots, and it sends an arrow at you through the tent. Is a 16 hit? Ow. Yeah. That arrow catches you right in the, right in the, uh, sort of the, uh, up by the shoulder in the fleshy part. It does five damage. Uh, piercing damage to you. Out. All right. Then, um, you see, it almost looks like a, um, like a skeleton in the form of a knoll. And it comes uh, shambling in towards the uh, the crowds, and you can definitely tell that they are they are really weird looking creatures. Certainly, almost uh, they're neither 
I mean, they're they're alive, but not really. And they move towards the crowd, freaking some of the some of the people out. 